Welcome to episode 10 of the Ilkley Lockdown podcast. I'm Ian Smith. In each episode, I'll be talking to a different person from in or around Ilkley, asking them about how the COVID-19 crisis has changed the world for them and finding out how they are dealing with the challenges it has brought. In this episode, I talk to Jamie Gutch, who is part of the leadership team at Ilkley Grammar School. He shares his personal experience with the coronavirus and tells the story of how IGS has risen to meet the challenge of having all of its students suddenly become remote learners. Here's my conversation with Jamie. So Jamie, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. I always start off with the basic pair of questions, which I will now put to you. So uh, who are you and what do you do? My name's Jamie Gutch. Um, I am assistant head teacher at Ilkley Grammar School, and I've had a range of roles at, at IGS, but I'm currently director of Post 16, which I started in September, which I'm absolutely loving. I always like that question, kind of who are you <laughs> and what you, what do you do? Uh, you know, we have lots of different roles. Mm. I'm also a father of, of two girls who are both at IGS. I'm married to Juliet, and we've lived in Ilkley since 2005, which I saw from your biog that uh, you came to Ilkley around the same time. Yeah, you just about beat us. <laughs> yeah. So Ilkley for me has been the time of my life when I've been a father. So a big life change for me in 2005. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned that you've actually had coronavirus. Well, it's not, um, I was never, I never had a test, but um, quite early on around the, around the 20th of March, I developed light symptoms, which I didn't, I just couldn't attach exactly to precise symptoms of coronavirus. But about a week later, I developed a very high temperature, oh, wow. which knocked me out for about a week. And I kind of just had to sign off from, from work and just needed to completely rest. But it took me about um, five weeks to recover my energy. Goodness me. And I've still completely lost my sense of smell and taste which has been quite dramatic actually so I did I remember quite early on I kind of realized I'd lost my smell and I, I chopped up an onion we were preparing a soup or something mm. I chopped up an onion I was like I can't smell that and I put this chopped onion into my face and kind of inhaled it fully wow and nothing happened goodness me and nothing happened at all and I, I kind of have tried to put a positive spin on it like it's a kind of a superpower but I have to say, as far as superpowers go, <laughs> and of not being able to smell anything is kind of a, a pretty low on the on the scale. But yeah, it's definitely made me realise the potential severity of it amongst people. And although, you know, I've been around students in school and I'm aware that they they tend to be less affected mm. by it, it's definitely reminded me it has to be taken seriously and has has can have, you know can have a a really serious effect on people. Absolutely. I mean, it's taking you out for five weeks until you've recovered. That's quite a thing to deal with. Yeah, I just had to build things up gradually, really, and and gradually kind of take more exercise, make sure I rested in the middle of the day and things. But yeah, it did surprise me. It really surprised me the kind of the impact it had on me after the initial symptoms had had recovered. And obviously, during that period, we were in uh, self-isolation for 14 days as a family. Of course. So I guess uh, schools are something where things have dramatically changed since the COVID-19 lockdown kind of started. So how have things changed in your life since then? And what sort of things are you doing differently? 
I mean, it's incredible, really, thinking back to the 15th of March, the week before lockdown. It was an incredibly intense week that week. And we reverted to daily leadership team meetings that week. And news was coming through almost hourly about what was going to happen. And I think we had a dawning realisation as a team Mm. that some quite dramatic changes were going to happen. So we, I I remember putting together an assembly with Helen Williams, the head, and delivering it to every child in the school on the Wednesday um, before lockdown. And then working with year 11, with colleagues and with years 13, preparing them for what was going to be their last day in effect. And and that kind of realisation that none of the things that they had either been looking forward to, such as prom, or the exam period, which arguably they weren't looking forward to so much. Although I think a lot of students really felt let down by kind of not having that opportunity to show what they could do. And it was unreal. And I'm sure it was the same for everybody. So what's changed? I think the the big thing that's changed is that we've switched from working in school on a daily basis to working remotely and delivering our curriculum lesson by lesson via the iPad. In some ways, things haven't changed. The content is in many ways quite similar, but it has brought a lot of challenges for, for students, the requirement to work independently. School is, of course, still open on a daily basis. We were open over Easter and are open today on the bank holiday. We are open over half term to the children of key workers and other eligible children. So in some ways, one of the changes is that school is open all the time. We've yet to decide about what will happen over the summer holiday. So it's been quite intense from a working perspective. The meetings conducted over Microsoft Teams, lessons conducted increasingly using video conferencing software. Right. That's been quite a transition uh, for staff to, to that model and for students as well. In some ways, as a family, from a personal perspective, quite a lot of things have stayed the same. I think particularly during term time, as a family, we lead quite a quiet life. It's quite, things are quite focused. Oh. Obviously, in terms of, you know, I'm very focused on school and and we have some routines that we're in and those in lots of ways have stayed the same. And I think we feel in a way during the holiday time over the period of Easter and and in half term, one of the things we're feeling, you know, you you can't visit people, you can't socialise in the same way. Yeah, it's very challenging. And I mean, it sounds as though the level of change that you've been dealing with and that you and your colleagues has been quite phenomenal, actually. I've spoken to some people whose lives have, you know, there have been changes, but they've, they've stayed mostly the same. It sounds like in terms of certainly in terms of the school and, and work, it's been different in almost every possible way. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I feel, I feel really proud of the change that colleagues have adapted to. And Hmm. I almost can't, I can't think of one colleague or, you know, member of the leadership team where anyone's complained. And from that point of view, I feel very proud to be part of the team that I'm part of. I mean, the leadership team IGS has been, has been together for quite a long time. I think it's quite consistent team. And that's been there's some of the decisions that are being made by Helen, the head and, and by, other senior colleagues 
are big, big decisions about how, how we're doing things. And what we're finding is that the timescale for those decisions is sometimes so tight that there's not really any room or much room for discussion. And as a team, we do really like to discuss things in detail, explore a range of viewpoints. We like to consult with parents. We like to consult with students. And often some of those big decisions take time. And there just isn't that time at the moment. So we are having to work in a different way. That's been really interesting to be a part of that. But I think the way that, that IGS staff have just adjusted and students have adjusted to the new way of working overall has been incredible. And I think you can also see that in wider society as well. Just this kind of adjustment to this kind of cliched phrase, the new normal, <laughs> yes. that, that people... People are remarkably resilient, but also remarkably able just to kind of listen to what is news of global relevance and then just carry on in a way that by and large, with some exceptions, obviously, is remarkably kind of calm and orderly and um, respectful of other people. And I feel that's a huge kind of tribute to society, really, in lots of ways. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So amid all this change, there's been a lot of sort of creative solutions and technological solutions to the various challenges that it, it's brought. What's the biggest thing that, that you've learned in terms of new ways of working? What has the current situation taught you? I mean, I think a huge thing, a kind of huge leap forward that's been triggered by this is obviously in technology mm. and in video conferencing. And I think those of us who may have been more hesitant about it, it just has been embraced on a scale that um, has never been seen before. And companies such as Zoom or uh, even organisations or apps such as Microsoft Teams, which was part of that software we weren't really using very much, mm. we're using on a daily basis for long meetings. And I think that does present us with some really exciting opportunities in terms of connecting people together, in terms of facilitating a whole range of meetings. I mean, we had a staff meeting with, I think, 160 people wow. using video conferencing. We've done that twice and it was remarkably successful. Mm. And then on a smaller scale with my year 13 French group, and we've been doing live lessons and with students who are kind of mature, you know, these students at the end of their, of their studies, they're very independent, uh, they're very self-motivated. Mm. It's been a relatively smooth transition. I do think the younger you go, the more challenges there are with lessons delivered live on Teams, um, none of which are insurmountable. It's just adjusting to, to those new routines and those new kind of ways of interacting. I mean, the other thing that I would pick out that I feel that I've learned is that people are crying out for community. Yeah. And I've joined the Ilkley Corona Response Group in my professional role. And it's been amazing how that organisation has brought a range of smaller organisations together with contributions from our MP, from Bradford, as well as from other organisations within Ilkley. Yeah. And the ability that those groups have had to kind of work together and to coordinate action, I think has been 
really fantastic. It may be something that is um, specific to our local community, which is quite cohesive and very motivated. But I do think it has wider, wider relevance. And I think that community has shown itself to be very much alive, something that people are very committed to and is a real positive thing that's emerging from this crisis. It's a marvellous thing about Ilkley, and I often think this, and as the more I talk to different people, the more I appreciate what we have here. Yes, I mean, I, I, do, I do think we need to be mindful that we are in many ways protected in our community, yeah. that widely, you know, on a regional basis, nationally and internationally, there are communities that are really, really stretched and will be um, under huge pressure as a result of what's happening. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I've been incredibly impressed by the students at IGS as well, by how resilient and adaptable they've been, which, you know, I think fewer and fewer people in society have experienced something as profound as, as what we're experiencing at the moment. Yeah. And I suppose people refer back to other reference points, such as the financial crisis, the, the recession in the 1980s, but obviously the increasingly the big reference point is the war yeah and there are fewer and fewer people who have direct experience of that and so for young people in particular I've been amazed at how they've just come to terms embraced the the changes that have been forced upon them and it's it's a hugely heartening for to to see them see them doing that almost uh, the word inspiring almost comes to mind the way that people are, are rising up to this. Mm. So obviously there have been many, many changes. Which changes do you hope will continue afterwards when things are more back to whatever the, uh, as you say, new normal turns out to be? I mean, I, th- I think one of the things is that we, we have a deeper understanding of certain jobs and the critical importance of, of certain jobs, Yeah, whether it be people working in supermarkets, whether it's um, people providing public services, whether it's people delivering things to our door. I hope it goes without saying that the critical importance of our care workers and and the NHS staff. Absolutely. And I think it would be healthy for there to be a kind of a re-evaluation of the role that those jobs play within a fully functioning and, and harmonious society. There are also interesting developments. I, I, I read this morning that 40% of people, I think, will be looking to use their cars less. And I think there's been an enforced localization of our activity and of our lives. And I think that that is an interesting development in terms of community and in terms of, in terms of society. So I think there is an opportunity in terms of the environment, uh, in terms of how we reassess our relationship with the world we live in. And the other thing from a, from a kind of personal perspective is that we've um, ended up doing a bit more gardening uh, and we've got all sorts of things uh, growing in our back garden. Oh, wonderful. And that's been a nice kind of refocusing of our energies as we've had to spend more time at home, spend more time in the garden, spend more time together. That's been something which, particularly with my wife, Juliet, we've been doing a bit more. She's the one with the green fingers. Mm -hmm. I do the lifting work. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've always had a policy of doing as I'm told in, in gardens, <laughs> stemming from my upbringing and being made to do <laughs> mowing the lawn and things as a, as a teenager. Oh, yes, I mow, I mow the lawn. Yeah. Uh, I'm very good at mowing the lawn. <laughs> what changes do you think will be incorporated into how we educate going forward? It's a really interesting question. It's very, very difficult to predict. I've been very interested by the decision taken by Cambridge University not to hold face-to-face lectures for the next academic year, mm. which definitely made me pause for thought. Yeah, I think as a school, we have to be guided and, and will be guided by the decisions and the messages coming down from government. I think that from our perspective, obviously with a one-to-one iPad scheme, I think we have demonstrated that we can easily revert to remote learning if we need to. And I think that some of the systems and the protocols that we put in place with a a bit of further refinement, which we're kind of doing on an ongoing basis, are definitely fit for purpose. And I I think we've, we've we've been really lucky as a school that the whole digital working has been embedded at the school for a number of years. Yeah. So we were really able to you know, put together a PowerPoint and direct students to apps and to systems that are already almost fully embedded. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean there haven't been huge challenges, particularly for certain groups of students, and we need to, we need to kind of continue to work on that. But I think if we were to be in a situation where, which it, you know, is one of the scenarios that comes through, that you have a period of normality and then you have a period of lockdown and you kind of, you're moving between the two, I think you know, we're well placed to make quite a quick changes from one, from one mode of working to another mode of working. It is interesting as we're starting to contemplate students coming back to school yeah. and how we can make that work. And particularly some key colleagues within the leadership team have been working on a range of scenarios about how we could make that work. What's really difficult is not whether it's one or the other in school or or out of school. It's there are challenges that come with the kind of blending of it. Right. Because there's the risk of of disrupting the remote curriculum. So again, there are a range of viewpoints that we're kind of exploring as a team and we've we've come to a view about what we think is the most workable solution and then we will kind of continue to adapt that over over the coming weeks and months but i think yeah it, it's really what you need to have a a system in place that is simple enough to be switching quite quickly between one and the other yeah and that's um you know that will present challenges but i think we've we've already got a kind of workable model for a return on the you know, in the weeks after the 1st of June, again, depending on what other information comes through. So we've got that model, which has been shared with with um, with parents um, recently. And then I think, you know, it may be that we have to look at another model because we get new information coming through and we're just having to constantly adapt. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that agility is always the promise of digital platforms, isn't it? So it's nice to hear that it's being, it's kind of, there's some evidence of it being delivered Brilliant. Thank you very much. So obviously with the lockdown, we've had a lot of restrictions on things we've maybe would have liked to have done or would have, you know, had scheduled. What's the first thing you're planning to do 
when social distancing is relaxed and and you can just go and do whatever you like what's the what's the thing you've really missed and you're going to go and do it straight away as soon as you can as a family we really love going out into the dales and and we kind of often mm. we'll make plans for that and i think we definitely we obviously restricted that in recent months um almost completely so i think what we would really like to do would be to go out into the dales but in particular have a have a pub lunch ah uh-huh, yes and i think that that's something that um is is a real pleasure and that the community of of the pub in terms of a, a nice kind of sunday lunch at somewhere like the craven arms in apple tree wick or mm. something like that is a real pleasure thinking more widely um i'm not sure it's something i'll do immediately but over my life um i've loved traveling and we particularly love italy uh, and that obviously has been that country's obviously been hugely in the news since the start of the of the coronavirus crisis and i lived in italy for a for about a year in my 20s when i was at university doing languages and have developed a real a deep love of the country and so i do find myself kind of yearning for going out there again enjoying the food and 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 the culture out there and i think that's probably a little bit further away than um the more immediate pleasure of of going to have a sunday lunch <laughs> in a pub yeah, I think you're right, but uh, I think that they both sound like great things to to look forward to. So it only remains for me to say thank you so much for taking the time and taking part in this. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you hugely for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure to reflect on on education, reflect on the the kind of wider impact of of coronavirus, and um, you know, it'll be really interesting to look back on it in coming years from hopefully a vantage point of a world that has um you know it's gone back to normal but with some changes as well well i think we will definitely raise a glass to that thank you very much thank you thanks again to jamie for sharing his story and for such an interesting and absorbing conversation look in the links for the episode to find more information about some of what we discussed Our next episode will be out in the next few days, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts so you don't miss it. To subscribe, download the Apple or Google Podcasts app on your phone or open Spotify. Then search for Ilkley Lockdown and hit the subscribe button. Bye for now.